Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning and welcome and thanks for being here and uh, also greetings to everybody who'll join us and listen to this subsequently. I want to talk to you today as we go through our program about um, thin places and thick people. Um, in that video of the Dawn Treader, it's just a... It's a parallel thing, really. How many of you have seen Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, or at least read it, where the wardrobe is a portal to another world that exists parallel to the world that they are in, in which they share experience as well? The, the, um, the um, voyage of the Dawn Treader is similar, but of course you saw on there the access that came through the picture. Makes me ask the question, what's in a picture? You know, all the time in our lives we are experiencing things that are snapshots and pictures to us and I wonder sometimes how much we recognize what's in the picture. I want to read you a couple of verses from the Bible just to give a foundation for what I want to say this morning. This, this is what, um, what it says in Luke chapter 17 verse 20. Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. And then one other from John chapter 5 verse 39, you search the scriptures, Jesus said, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me, but you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. See, the truth is there's more to life than what we can normally see. In our heart of hearts, I think we actually really know this to be so, or we at least hope that this is true, because in places of confusion and pain and anxiety, in our desire for release, we, we, we actually are crying out inwardly for a greater reality. Do you know, the, the phrase that used to come out from myself who came as children of a war, uh, a war generation from the Second World War, my parents were of that age and of course previous to that, the First World War was the statement that there are no atheists on the battlefield. And that came from atheists incidentally, not from Christians. But th this video clip that we, we watched has echoes of things I have said about flow and faith. You know, the fact that it has a flow coming from the picture links us beautifully into some of the things we've said about flow and about faith, but it also opens up another aspect that we've not yet talked about, which I want to cover this morning. Um, now, you know, I've also got to address the fact that, that the one child, well, he's barely a child, he's a grown-up boy, uh, declares the whole thing that's happening, this is some kind of trip, trick, stop it or I'll tell mother. 
And uh, I've been around long enough to know that as we make the journey that we are making, there are those people who will say, this is some kind of trick, stop it or I'll tell mother. Well, we can't do much about that because we're going into the picture. If you remember the one from Rango, your delusional quest just ruined my life. <clears throat> See, here's the issue. Belief always and ultimately establishes you in a fixed position. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't believe. This is not an anti-belief thing, but it's about not letting belief come, become more than belief. It's supposed to be simply as a stepping stone to a flow of faith. Because if you do, all that will happen is that it will establish you in a fixed position. And that becomes the problem. That's why we can't get on. That's why there are so many divisions over what we thought would unify us in the midst of the COVID crisis. Because once beliefs establish you in a fixed position, you don't get unity and love and flow. But faith delivers us into a place of flow. Flow when you submit and trust yourself to it will always carry you with it in the direction that it's going. Now it's interesting that one of the definitions of river is a permanence of flow. Right? You look it up in a dictionary. A permanence of flow. What's interesting is that the two words permanence and flow seem to be contradictory because how can something be permanent if it's flowing? It's a permanence of flow. But it's not contradictory because any permanence you have in life must be in respect to flow. Otherwise, you can never move on. And that's the problem. The permanence should not be in respect to established beliefs, but it should be in respect to flow. Where is all this going? Our use of the word current, which also attaches to that idea of flow, is also interesting because current means, in our English language, belonging to the present. But it also means a body of water or air moving in a, defi a definite direction. It means the flow of electrical charge particles. See, going with the flow is letting the current of the river take you currently wherever it's flowing towards. But you see, we use current, we're more used to it in the context of current affairs, which means we get stuck in the now because we've not understood the full implication of current. You've got to let the current of the river take you currently where it's flowing towards. Now, I don't always like these, but we were chatting, and, and I'll throw this in. You know, I think flow is becoming a very important word for us, and I want us to understand it better. I want to understand it better. And so I did one of those things. I don't even know what they call them, but you know where you use the letters to give words. I know my friend Mick Fox loves these. The vital ingredients of flow are Faith, love, open, willing. That's flow. Faith, love, open, willing. You want to be in the flow. They're the four vital ingredients. Faith, love, open, willing. Now, in the voyage of the dawn treader, the, treader, the picture proves to be a portal to another world that exists beyond it. Just like in the line of which in the wardrobe, the wardrobe is the same thing. But in seeking to explain a phenomenon that was at the heart of their faith, and this, this applies to this because they're going through the picture, they're going through the water, uh, yeah, through, through the wardrobe. In seeking to explain a phenomenon, phenomenon, <laughs> I didn't drink enough this morning. 
and seeking to explain a phenomenon that was at the heart of their faith experience, the ancient Celtic Christians in Ireland coined the phrase, thin places. And this is where I want to bring us this morning because it's so important for all of us. I want to understand it better. I want you to understand it better. But more than that, I want us to experience it in the reality that it is. Now, if there is such a thing as thin places, what is it and what happens there? What is it that separates us from whatever is to be found and experienced within it? They felt it best described what they believed were places where the line between the mortal and the divine, the seen and the unseen, is very thin. I think it's about moments saturated with meaning, but whose meaning cannot always be put into words. But we know that those moments are there. The reality of it, though, is life-transforming. It's truly a saved moment. It's truly a born-again experience when you know what a thin place is and what the access to it might be. When you find a thin place, something happens to you. See, that's what was happening in the video. When you find a thin place, something happens to you. Presence, power, love, mystery, God break through into your world and through the hard shell of our formed beliefs that we've built up around our hearts. The something that happens is a touch of God's grace, I believe, and the true definition of God's grace. It's where we recognize and experience the resident reality that heaven and earth are one. You find that portal, which I'm going to show you is not difficult to find, because you might be surprised where that portal is, and heaven and earth become one. Isn't it interesting that we call everything that we know in our existence the universe? You ever thought about that? The uni-verse. How many of you know what the word uni means? It means one or whole. The one verse. Therefore, I propose to you that even though we might not have realized it, even by the process of science and physics, we have declared that we are part of one verse. How many of you live as though you're part of one verse? You see, most of us are not even just one verse. We're in a different song, in a different production, on a different stage, because we've not understood how important it is to be one verse, uni-verse. Even uni-verse it is. As opposed to educators to our oneness with all things through a process of academic understanding. Uni verse, one verse. It's because of this that I care very little about how you define what a thin place is and more about how you find it. Recognize it, create it, and live it. But my question is, how exclusive are thin places and how difficult are they to find? In that little um, video clip from Ninjago, uh, what's interesting about it and why we've used it is because within their perceived ability, they reached a ceiling where out of that perceived ability and belief, they were incapable of dealing with the situation that they were facing. 
and we're unable to overturn it, to overcome it, to break away and break out from it and to change it. And the turning point came when there was a discovery of the, the inner true potential. That's the message that was going on there. The point at which he could say, I know who I am. And this is all interconnected with what we're talking about this morning. Now, now the, the Aboriginal peoples of Australia uh, have a wonderful and I think unique in the context of the uh, dialogue about God in the world, in that they talk about uh, God being everywhere. They say God is everywhere. And all of a sudden, that's pulled you from location to moment. See, and often we get stuck in location and circumstance, but the point at which we fail is we can't bring that into moment. And so in the moment, we don't succeed because in our inner belief in where we are at and the knowledge of that and the use of that experience, we don't actually transcend to the place of inner true potential, the place of truly knowing who we are. If God, however defined, is everywhere and every when, as the Aboriginal Australians put it so beautifully, then why isn't the whole world thin? Anybody that's ever wrestled with the issue of God must, at some point, have encountered this inner challenge. If God is real, if God is true, if this is all for real, why? But, but maybe it is. Maybe the old world is thin, but we're too thick to recognize it. Now, I don't mean that as a derogatory statement to your mental ability. I mean it in the context of thick being opposite to thin and that where things are thick, things can't be thin and thick stands in the way of thin. So if the whole world is actually thin and ready for us to experience that where heaven and earth are one, are we too thick to recognize it? Maybe thin places offer glimpses, not actually of heaven, but maybe of earth and of life. As it really is. Maybe it's not a something beyond and out there, but maybe it's an every when. And if it's an every when, then it's an every here. And that means somehow that these thin places give us the glimpse, not of some heaven out there, but of earth and of life and of self, as it really is, unencumbered, unmasked, unthreatening, joined and full of potentiality. Maybe this is the new heaven and new earth that the Bible alludes to when it says there will be a new heaven and a new earth. See, there's, a, there's an inherent contradiction that interferes with our understanding of this dynamic. See, the divine supposedly transcends time and space. That's part of the very definition of being divine or being God. So supposedly we would have an image and an impression that the divine transcends time and space. Yet why is it then we seek it in very specific places at very specific times? 
Oh, I need to come to a place of prayer so I can enter the presence of God. You just declared by that very statement the contradiction that interferes with the dynamic that you do not believe that the, that the divine transcends time and space because now something special is having to be done in a particular way to create a particular space so that divine who's supposed to be present somehow has to become present, which means you don't believe that he transcends time and space. You don't believe that he is everywhere. It's just a phrase you throw off, but we don't live the reality of that transcendent thing. And we seek it very specific places. Why did we begin to build temples and churches. Now I think they have a function and I think they have a place in the whole journey. But it became come to church to meet God. Come to church to find God. Give your life to God in the church. Come and be prayed for at church. Oh, I need to get to church because I've had a terrible week. Now, I appreciate that and I know there is value and benefit, but it's all saying we have not engaged with the reality of the world being the thin place. So we reduce it to specific places and specific times and then you and I think that we can only experience this in specific places at specific times. And so isn't it funny, it's just never your time. We must have not quite made it or missed it. See, we've grown up with the notion that God makes himself more strikingly known in particular locations. I've walked into churches, I've made the statements myself, and I'm a bit embarrassed by it now. Oh, God is in this place. How embarrassing. That very statement says God is not outside of this place. Do you get what I'm saying? And in our pious religious language, but also in our human desperation, so I'm not blaming or shouting at anybody, in our human desperation to find the thin place, we find situations where we say, oh, God is in this place. Oh, God was really moving in that. Well, what was he doing before? And I would say to me and you, how dare I and how dare you reduce the source of all things to being so pathetic that he needs a location and a place to be present and that you and I can only connect with him through that. See the temple in Jerusalem. Great example to the Jewish people and biblically for us. But you see, if God is everywhere, perhaps thin places are not places where God is nearer to us, but rather places where we are able to perceive what is true always and everywhere and that this is the truth that makes us free. When Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free, it's that understanding of the presence. So maybe if we become less thick and more attentive, and I said we, not you, we will see this. See, the thin place does not actually have to be a place. A thin place is wherever and whenever there is a recognition of the meeting of what we think are two worlds but are in reality one and the same. That's what a thin place is. And we might see that in the person of Jesus Christ. I believe we do. I believe the incarnation is all about that. But what about in Mahatma Gandhi? What about 
in Nelson Mandela? What about in Martin Luther King? What about in William Wilberforce in his fight against slavery? What about Alexander Fleming in his discovery of penicillin? Or what about Stuart? Or what about Chris? Or what about Jenny? Or what about Amy? Or what about Danny? You and me. What if by willingly submitting to faith's flow, we are the thin places for the world? And we become that picture in someone else's eyes and don't want them to run to get mummy because they're scared. So what stands in the way? Well, accumulating beliefs creates increasing density through which nothing other than those beliefs can be seen. That's why I've gone hard after beliefs. That creates a self-perpetuating thick place that we can't get through. See, thin is the opposite to dense or thick. The rigid and the concrete cannot be thin. Oh, I've got a concrete belief. I'm rigid in my belief. Well, you see, yeah, that's okay, you can be, but do you understand that if it is that, that the thinness can't come through? You can't be thick and thin. Well, unless you're a person, which I suppose, you know what I'm saying. But isn't it interesting how we associate the words concrete, rigid, thick? And yet we get stuck on thinking security comes from concrete, rigid, thick. But actually it doesn't. It comes from flow, faith, thin. See, thin is opposite to dense or thick. Now, now again, just a little illustration here. Just It's important I bring this in. In the Jewish temple, see, a lot of what you read in Bible was designed to show us something not to promote what it is that it was showing us. So the life of the temple in the Bible was not given to promote the life of the temple. It was to show us something about temple life that hopefully we come to an understanding in the flow of faith and reject and say, this is not where God lives. This is not where God is. This is not where I have to find God. It's all changed. So in the Jewish temple... It was set up where you had the Holy of Holies, which was the place that only the high priest could go once a year to make a sacrifice for the sins of the people. And it was separated from the other court by a four-inch thick, a hundred-centimeter thick temple veil of material. Isn't it funny how the material of our life, the matter of our life, if we only deal with it through belief and not through the flow of faith, creates a curtain so thick and gets even thicker that we can't seem to pass through to where we think that God is or allow that flow to touch us and we get stuck in our belief. It was 30 feet high by 30 feet wide, 9 meters high, 9 meters wide. So thick that two horses put on either hand couldn't tear it. 
And you need to understand what, what the temple site represented to the worshipping Jews and how that impacts, impacts on the use of heaven and earth in Jesus' teaching. Because Jesus used the term heaven and earth, but what did he mean? What he was alluding to was not somewhere out there and somewhere down here, but in the Jewish religious mind, heaven and earth was the temple. It was the place where heaven and earth met. So when Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away... He was saying this temple system, this rigid idea that you have, this separation that you have from who you truly are that keeps you away from the thin place experience of the oneness that you have with the divine is passing away. Heaven and earth will pass away. And in AD 70, physically and literally, that whole temple was taken apart, utterly destroyed and completely removed. I love the way Matthew describes what happened at the moment Jesus died, who was a very thin place himself. God and man in one fusion, operating in the Christ spirit. Here's how Matthew described it. Then behold, this is the moment Jesus died, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. What it says top to bottom is just that saying this is an act of God to waken you up to the reality of who he is. This is not a system of people, a system of man that decided we're going to change this. This is God saying, look, I'm ripping this from where I am down to where you are because I want you to have a new experience. And this is what Matthew says. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were opened. So to Matthew, finding the thin place was an earth-shaking, rock-splitting, grave-opening moment where the thick became thin. Now one other thing, the creation narrative in the Bible is very, very interesting. Because it takes shape within a presented model familiar to the ancient mind and the ancient world. And it mirrors perfectly how they used to write about a particular thing. And the thing that they used to write about was the construction of a temple to their God. And this is stuff you don't get told. But Genesis 1 and 2 are a mirror of that literary style which they would use to say, this is how the temple was built for our God. These are the materials that were used and this is what it is like. Now we get that same literary style happening in Genesis chapter 1 because Genesis chapter 1 is a description of the building of a temple. The temple that is being built is the world. And so it gives you, it gives you five days of building detail of the construction of the temple of the world, of the earth where we live. And then the last thing that always happened in that literary style was having said how you were going to build the temple, the materials you would use, and how it was constructed, the last thing you did was bring the image of the God into the temple. So now go with me here. 
Genesis is describing the construction of the temple. The temple is not a building. The temple is the world. And we are part of that world. And on the sixth day of construction, the image of the God is brought into the temple. But you see, here's where it changes from every other narrative because it says, and on the sixth day, God made man in his image and in his likeness and he placed him in the garden. The image of the God in this temple is not some statue, some idol, some untouchable divine being. It's you. It's you. This is the literary style that was used to explain that principle. You become the image of God in this temple, the world. Understanding this, Paul takes the whole thing in the direction it is flowing without fear when he says, do you know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? He says, for you are the temple of of the living God, as God has said. You are the temple itself, the place where heaven and earth meet as one. Incredible. Saying again, I really appreciate what the guys are, are giving us at this time. It's absolutely fabulous. I know what the work that it takes, but the skill as well and the gift is wonderful. So thank you guys again. It's, uh, it's brilliant. So let's, let's go to wrap this up. You know, of course, we linked that other video because it gives a, another perspective on the whole Narnia, the, the other world, the thin place, the joining together uh, that says there's a place for us. And one of, one of the passions of bringing this is because we can so often feel there's no place for me. Oh, I hear what you're saying, there's no place for me, that's not really me, but it is you. It is you. There is a place for you. Now, unfortunately for most of us, the notion of faith that emerged in the West was much more a rational assent to the truth of certain mental beliefs than a calm and hopeful trust that God is inherent in all things and this whole thing is going somewhere good. And we find the thin place when we shatter the constricting legacy of concrete beliefs, when we allow the curtain of our temple that forms the separation between the holy and the profane to be torn from top to bottom, starting with our idealism of what is heavenly and what is earthly and what we think they truly mean. When we understand there is but one verse and we're part of it and we're it. That's when you found the thin place. There's but one verse, we are part of it, and we are it. See, the thin place is not created or discovered as a result of being able to express a defined statement of belief, but by being itself. It's so interesting that, that, that we were created... And we refer to ourselves as human beings. Somewhere along the line, we came desperately addicted to being human doings. And so everything became connected to doing. 
And once you connect to doing, things are earned, they are given because they're rewarded. And so if you're doing what you think you should be doing, you might achieve what it is that you're doing, you think you're doing deserves and reward, but we were never created from that perspective. The temple was built, we were the image in the temple, and we were given the wonder of being. See, all the strife of our doing. And you say, I don't understand what it means, being. Well, the first thing it means is take a look at what you are stressing over and stop doing. And somehow you will sink into a place of realizing that you are a a being. I be. (laughs) See, the thin plate is not created, as I said, by or discovered as the result of being able to express a defined statement of belief, but by being itself. And it's by grasping the everywhere and every when of God in you. This works everywhere, and it works every when, because that's the nature of your being when you enter the flow that faith releases. And so I'll bring to you one more time before I finish this. Flow, F-L-O-W, faith, love, open, willing, brings us to what the Apostle Paul described in Latin, even though he didn't speak Latin, but was the first translation from the Greek, on Christo, 164 times, on Christo, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. That's where it brings us to. The recognition that we are not separate from, but we are flow with, and we are really and truly in and of, and need to let it flow the same. And so I want you in the thin place, because you are the thin place. Be the thin place. Got a song to finish off that says, I know where I'm going because I know where I've been. One of the things that's driving me at this time in everything I have to say to you is because I know where I've been. But all this is bringing me to know where I'm going. I don't know what the end is. It's a direction. It's a flow. It's a current. It's a river. But I know where I'm going and it's in that thin place. It's into that oneness. It's into that universe. It's into that flow of being able to be not only in a thin place, but to be the thin place for the world. You are that. You are that to yourself. You are that in the eyes of God. You are that to others. And God is that. Because as Jesus said, I am the Father A one, seen me, seen him, seen him, seen me. It's the oneness of the flow. So don't be thick this morning. Not good to be thick, is it? Don't be thick this morning. Understand that you are thin. So be thin on Christo, in Christ. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? 
just go to youtube.com forward slash QChurchYork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest. <laughs>